Amen. What a tremendous message and song. Take out your Bibles this morning to the book of Matthew, uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. Go ahead and find your place there. I'll join you just in a moment. Uh, I love how the Holy Spirit brings things together in our service and didn't know what Morgan was singing about this morning. She didn't know what I was preaching about uh, this morning, but my, how they so uh, tie together. Matthew chapter 6, uh, find that in your Bible. We'll turn there and just, uh, we'll read that in just a moment. Uh, this morning, we're beginning a new series together over the next three Sundays that we will conclude on Vision Sunday on January 15th, uh, entitled First Things First. And, uh, and we'll be centering all of our time in the sixth chapter of Matthew's gospel, uh, specifically in Matthew uh, chapter, at the end of Matthew uh, chapter 6. It was D.L. Moody who has been attributed with saying this phrase, our greatest fear shouldn't be failure, but succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. I'm going to say it again. D.L. Moody was famous for saying, our greatest fear shouldn't be failure, but succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. You know, the most critical thing in life is finding out what matters most and then centering all of our life around it. You know, we're living in a day and age where everyone is vying for our allegiance. I think about it from our relationships to advertisements. Uh, People are constantly, it would seem, uh, bombarding us, trying to vie for our support, our devotion. I don't know about you, but uh, any of you constantly finding you're having to unsubscribe from email lists, Anybody like that? It's just constant, isn't it? It's just, you got to set up a separate email account just for the junk mail is, is what it feels like on many days. Why? Because our culture and advertising, I mean, that's just one simple thing. There's, there's, there's all points in our society today, whether it's from things on social media or advertisements on TV or even just personal relationships and deals of people and, and, and everybody's trying to have our allegiance, Simple things like if you would just simply be this or do this or give for this or, 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 or spend your life because of this. And, and honestly, we're in a day and age where there is so many things. In fact, there are so many good things that we find ourselves being stretched and spread thin. We're asking ourselves the question, we're wondering how am I going to do it all? We're wondering if our lives are even making a difference in the midst of all of this chaotic busyness. The New York Times ran an article a number of years back entitled The Busy Trap. In it, the author states this, busyness serves as a kind of existential resurgence, a head against emptiness. Obviously, your life cannot possibly be silly or trivial or meaningless if you're so busy. Completely booked and in demand of every hour of the day, I cannot help but wonder whether all this historic exhaustion isn't a way of covering up the fact that most of what we do doesn't matter. Now, sadly, many of us in life can sadly mistake what feels urgent for things that are actually truly important. I want to ask you a question this morning, and I want you to consider your life and how you might answer this simple question. What matters most. What matters most? 
Or, or we could actually say, what, what am I doing with my life? What am I centering my life around? What am I building my life upon? We discover if we want to know what matters most to us, uh, we don't have to wonder. We simply can just look at some telltale signs in our life. We can look at the way that we spend our time. We can evaluate the way that we spend our money. We can look at the opportunities in life that most excite us. Or we can consider what we deem as truly important. So I ask you again this morning, what matters most? And I wonder, as you think about that question in your life this morning, how might the Bible answer that question? Better yet, how does Jesus answer that question? You know, there are many things that Jesus commands us in the scripture, but there was only one thing that Jesus told us to seek first. Jesus said, if you remember, as he said, seek first, what? The kingdom of God. It's what we've opened to this, ma- this morning in Matthew chapter 6. It's, it's in verse 33. Jesus said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Jesus is demanding something of our allegiance. He's demanding that he is first, not next. For, for many of us in our life today, Jesus is the next thing. But Jesus demands to be first, to be preeminent. He says, but seek first The kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of God is the one thing that changes everything in our life. And for those of us who are truly followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've bet our life on that gospel. We've bet our life on the thing that truly matters most. And so would you stand with me this morning as we read from Matthew chapter 6? We're going to be in verse 33, but I'm going to read the the passage surrounding it to give us a better context. And, and notice this is part of an even much larger context. As Jesus is preaching uh, to a crowd of people that day, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. And so it spans chapters 5 through 7 of the Gospel of Matthew. But here in this passage, Jesus is kind of shifting gears in his sermon, and he is talking about worry. He's, he's talking about uh, teaching his followers how they might live their life without worry. And in Matthew chapter 6, start with me, begin with me in verse 25. We'll read down through verse 34. Notice how Jesus teaches. He says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns yet, Yet your heavenly Father feeds them, and are of you more value than they. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be, what's the next word? Say it louder. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. 
But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Father, Lord, as we bow our heads and our hearts right now before your word, Lord, we want desperately to hear your voice. And we know, Lord, as we open up your word that we hear you speaking to us. And God, what you have said many, many, many years ago, Lord, this is still being said today to each one of us that are here. Lord, you want us today to consider our life. You want us to think about our life in the way that you see it. And Lord, you want us to, by faith, trust you in full dependence for what you can do in our lives every day. But Lord, we first must seek your kingdom. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help us, that your spirit would be our teacher this morning. Lord, that you would fill me with your spirit as I proclaim your gospel. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, there's over like 300, I think someone said, there's like 365 times in the Bible that you can find this phrase. It's the phrase that Morgan sang about this morning. It is uh, the phrase, fear not, or in other places, it's, it's translated, do not fear. Either way, 365 times is a lot for the Bible to say it to us. And when you think about that, I think about the fact that, that, that if the scriptures are revealing that to us in that way, that, that, that why is it telling us, why is the Bible so constantly and frequently, it would seem, in many places, uh, telling us not to fear? Because God himself knows the propensity of the human heart, and that is what? That men and women would be anxious and fearful. It's just part and parcel of life. And Jesus that day, as he is uh, teaching them that day on the hillside, uh, Jesus is not entering into some uh, academic, theological discussion with his disciples on the nature of the kingdom of God. It wasn't as if they were in class and Jesus was giving them all these bullet points of what the kingdom was and they were you know, trying to figure it all out. No, the, Jesus was just simply responding to and addressing questions that were coming from his disciples, things that were coming up from his followers, and they were questions, if you look in your Bible, you'll see they were very simple questions. It's questions of food. It's, it's questions of clothing. And on the surface, that's what it appears to be, that, 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 that we could actually kind of look at this passage and on the surface say, oh, well, I don't know if I'm really in, in America today here where I'm at living in Catawba and, and the things in my life. Am I worried about food and clothing? Some of us may be. But I would dare say probably this morning you didn't have one of those worries coming to church this morning. And on the surface, it just seems like those are the things being discussed. But if we were to dig a little deeper beneath the surface, what you discover is that these questions that Jesus' followers are asking of him are, are actually far deeper questions pertaining to life. They're questions pertaining to the protection of life and the preservation of life. And so, you know, we're a far different setting from first century here. In an agrarian culture where people were struggling to know where their next meal would come from, you and I living in the 21st century, uh, we span a far different setting and a lot has changed in regard to maybe the place that we find ourselves this morning. But can I tell you this? The human heart's not changed. And the things that Jesus is addressing in this passage are things that many of us, I think, would be facing today. You know, why is it when we look out on our world and we think about the place that God has us living and you think about America 
and all the affluence of America, you think about all the, uh, oh man, all the luxuries of America, you think about all the comforts of America. Many of you didn't sleep with one pillow last night, you slept with two. I mean, you just think about all the stuff that we have. Then why is it that America seems to be one of those countries around the world that's the most stressed out? Why do they seem to be the most anxiety-laden country in the world? Anxiety is something that affects millions of people every year. It's become part of the fabric and parcel of our life. It's part of what makes it difficult to cope with life itself. It's, uh, anxiety has become big business in America. Why is that? Because so many people are struggling with it. And if we were to think about this morning, your life having come in through those doors into the worship center this morning, I wonder about you. I wonder if we could be honest in church together this morning. Can we be honest together? If you were to think about your life today, are there certain things in your life right now that you're anxious about? I'd say in a room this size, we couldn't even fathom the number of anxieties that are represented in this room today. And we all come into church with smiles. But if we were to look deep in our heart and people were to be honest this morning about the things that, that they're anxious about, I wonder, what would the list we could come up with even in this room this morning? Someone's anxious of being lonely. And the holidays have exasperated it. There's a fear of, of wondering if you'll ever be married. Some of us this morning, we have a fear of failing, a fear of, of thinking that we're not enough. And every time we don't live up to the standard that we set for ourselves, we're reminded of just how short our shortcomings, how far our shortcomings are. Some of you are looking out on the horizon of your life this morning and the upcoming changes in your life, and it is a great cause for anxiety. Some of you this morning are experiencing the loss of a job, Maybe you're in the time of a season in your life where you face a recent diagnosis. Maybe there's something happening in your life this morning that you're just not okay with. And, 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 and you're grappling with the fact of what to do about it. And you found yourself being so anxious. Some of you are finding the retirement account that you had built for yourself is not going to go as far as you hoped. And so there's all these anxieties. And I'm telling you, man, anxiety is a, a real thing. It affects so many people. And, and, and many of us this morning, I think we've come into the worship center today and, and when we just look at somebody's life and we think that they, we, they're all right, but, but what we cannot see is this invisible backpack of anxiety, this, this invisible backpack of worry. And they've, they've trugged it into the room this morning. It is heavy and it's weighing them down. And they're, they're overwhelmed. They're, they're on the edge of giving up. They feel crushed under the burden of what they're facing. And this morning, these are the kind of people that Jesus is speaking to on that day, on that hillside. People who were facing real things in life and real anxieties and, and, and wondering how they were going to cope with it and wondering how they were going to work it through, make it through. And, 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 and underlining all those anxieties is like the great anxiety of all. And that is the fear of death. And some of you, you're there this morning. Your mind this week's just been spinning on repeat and, and, and you're struggling through 
these things and you're here this morning and all of this is weighing on you. And like I said, the holidays have exasperated and you're crushed under the weight of everything and you're just asking yourself the question, how am I going to make it? Where's the way out? And we all call it what we want, right? We can call it anxiety. Some of us don't like the word worry, concern. Call it whatever you will. It's it's, it's this anxiety, this worry that that begins to eat at our soul. The the word worry comes from an old English word that that, that gives this idea of of, of, of to strangle or to choke. It's, It's the idea of like a noose as it's just being tightened. And that's how many of us feel mentally, emotionally. We just feel like the anxieties of our heart are just straining us so tight. Like we can't, we, 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 we can't breathe. We can't, we, 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 we can't see a way out of it. We're just, we're engulfed by the fear of the worry of all of these things. And we're experiencing this kind of mental and emotional strangulation. And what does Jesus say to those people He makes a statement. He says it three times. Do not be anxious. Could you imagine the words of the risen Christ saying that to you this morning? Justin, don't be anxious. Jeremiah, don't be anxious. Nancy, don't be anxious. You hear, you hear, can you hear Jesus' words on the hillside? as he's been teaching about all of these things and he's thinking about the complexities of our lives and then, he, and then he makes this statement. He says, don't be anxious about your life. All of it. <laughs> your emotions, your, 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 your well-being, your mental, all, all these things. Jesus is saying, don't be anxious about it. And some of us, we hear those words that Jesus said and we said, man, that sounds so insensitive. Does he not care about my life? You hear Jesus' words to say, do not be anxious. And, and, and Jesus, he ends the passage there at the end of verse 34. And he's basically saying, uh, what's, what's the answer for anxiety? Jesus says, take it a day at a time. <laughs> take it a day at a time. You say, wait, I need more than that. Well, what does he really say? You see, Jesus is not saying that all of those things this morning that you're feeling are not important. They are important. They are. His point is actually quite the opposite. Jesus is not saying to forget about it. Jesus is not saying try to run from your anxiety. He's not saying to ignore it. He's not saying to deny it. Uh, Jesus this morning is acknowledging it. He's acknowledging our anxiety. He's noticing it in us. And I wonder this morning if God the Holy Spirit were to put his finger on what is causing the most anxiety in your heart today, what would he put his finger on? And it is that that he says to each one of us, do not be anxious. You see, Jesus is actually underscoring for all of us this morning that whatever is on our heart that we are so concerned by is actually something that he's concerned about for us. But it's not first. Jesus said in verse 33, notice in your Bible, this very straightforward promise. Jesus responds to our anxiety, and how does he do it? 
he gives us this very simple promise. He says, will you say it with me? Lift up your voice as we look overhead. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You see, as Jesus is talking about all these things, those are all the things in our life that we're anxious about. Those are all the things in our life that we're worried about. They're all those things in our life that seem to be strangling us in the cares of this world, and they've gripped our hearts so firmly. And Jesus is aware of those things. He says, but first, seek the kingdom of God. Actually, you go through the Gospels and you look at the number of times that, that, that Jesus is, is, is talking to people. I think about that one guy that wants to follow Jesus. You remember? You remember? He says, Lord, Lord, I'll follow you, but first let me do this, and then I will fill in the blank. What do we discover? Jesus isn't up for being next. <laughs> He's to be first. He's to be first in our life. This is not first in a sequence of order. It's not Jesus, then, Jesus, then, no. This is, this is Jesus being preeminent of all of it. Uh, this, is, this is him being first over all of it. This is him being king over all of it. And, and, and recognizing his rightful place, recognizing our allegiance to this king. And Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. In another place in scripture, we're told that we're to cast all our anxieties on him because he cares for you. In other words, uh, Jesus is wanting each one of us to prioritize the kingdom of God in our life above everything else. And that when the kingdom of God is prioritized in our life, notice here very clearly, it does not minimize those other things in our life that we're anxious about. It does not minimize the other things that we're concerned about, but it brings them into a right perspective. And this is God's desire for each one of us, that we would first seek the kingdom of God and all these things, Jesus said, will be added. All these other things that, that our hearts are spun up about, all of those things will be in, brought into alignment. They'll be brought into focus into the allegiance of Jesus Christ. I, I love the quote by C.S. Lewis. He puts it this way. He says, when first things are put first, second things are not suppressed but increased. You say, how are we to do that? How am I to put first things first in my life? You say, Pastor Aaron, it's 2023 how am I going to seek first the kingdom of God? How am I going to do that? Well, I love how 1 Peter tells us there. Turn with me in your Bible to 1 Peter. Near the end of your Bible, 1 Peter, find chapter 5. Peter was one of the disciples that day that was standing there on the hillside hearing Jesus' words about life not being anxious. And he found the answer to putting God first in his life. You notice what he says in 1 Peter chapter 5. Notice in verse 6, what are the first two words? Say it louder. Humble yourselves. Keep reading. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because, say the next four words, he cares for you. 
Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brothers throughout all the world. And after you have suffered a while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you to him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. You see, what, what Peter is telling us something very clearly is how are we to seek first the kingdom of God in our life? We are to humble ourselves before the Almighty and the verb there is casting all our anxiety. Humble yourselves, therefore, casting. It's this it's this picture of, um, uh, it, the, the verb there is a very hard word. It's, it is not this idea that you took something in your house and you gingerly placed it on the mantle. It, it's this idea that you came home after a long day of work and you took your bag and you just sling it, you know. It's just casting. It's this, it's this picture of, a, of what a fisherman used with, used with their net. And as they take that net, they cast it far. It's this picture of a, of a donkey getting ready to be ridden and they take that saddle and they threw it up on there. There's just this, it's just this, this aggressive, it's actually a very strong verb in the New Testament. And so what is the point of all of this? Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God and cast your anxieties on him. Some of us need to humble ourselves Humility is a heart posture. It's, it's this idea of bowing down. It's this idea of getting low. Bowing down before a king, bowing down before a sovereign, recognizing that he is the king of the universe. He is sovereign over all things in life. And you would bow down before him, casting lenses. What are you casting? What are, you, what are you casting to this king who has all allegiance? What are we casting to him? Someone tell me. Our anxiety. The things that would just eat us up. The parts of our soul that we're wrestling through and we're wondering, will I ever find peace in that? And there's the cares of our life are many. And some of us, that's where you're at this morning, man. Your soul is in turmoil and you're facing all of these anxieties and fears because at the root of everything, you're proud. Because you're trying to solve it. You're trying to fix it. You're trying to work it out. You're trying to bring about a resolution. And in your heart of hearts, you don't know how it's going to happen. And so you're anxious. And you're torn apart. You know what God would love and delight in this morning? Is for you to humble yourselves before the mighty hand of God. And to cast those things to him. You know the great news in all of that? The biggest promise in all of it? Is those next four words. Because he cares for you. It's so practical. It's so personal. Jesus in this passage, he's wanting them to feel the freedom 
of living life without anxiety. And how does he tell them to do it? He tells them to consider something. He tells them to look at something. Jesus says, consider the birds of the air. He tells them to consider the lilies of the field. You said, wait, what? Yeah. Consider the birds of the air, Jesus said. They don't sow, they gather into barns. And yet, God does what for the, for the birds of the air? He feeds them. Those birds aren't freaking out over the next meal. He says, look out on the flowers. Consider the lilies. You know Solomon, that guy who was a king, who had a lot of wealth and a lot of prestige and a lot of power? Jesus says, consider a lily. It has nothing on Solomon. And it grows and it toils and it doesn't spin, doesn't do all those things, and yet, yet God, God cares for us in this creation. We look out on the world and we, we see this flower and the intricacies of a flower that is there just for a moment to be engulfed in a summer drought. And the point is, Jesus is arguing from the lesser to the greater. He's saying if God would do that for a sparrow or for a bird, then how much more would he do it for you? Because he's your father. He's your heavenly father. What father, uh, remember Jesus says, what child asks a father for, 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 for a piece of bread? He's going to give him a stone or a sword. But you're like, wait, wait, no. God's a good, uh, even an earthly father would, would do a good job. I mean, Christmas has happened, right? You parents, you, you, you got your kids something good. Hopefully someone gave them something good for Christmas. Right? There's nothing on the gift of God. Some of us this morning have found us in a place where our lives are filled with such anxiety. And by God's grace, he wants us to be freed from the cares that weigh us down, from the peace that disturbs, for the, for the, for the, for the things in our life that disturb our peace, that rob us of joy, that distract our minds. And this morning, why are you so anxious today? Probably, my friend, because you're distrusting the promises and provision of God. You're distrusting the promises and provision of God. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. Consider the lilies of the field. God's care extends into every part of our life. Every part. And some of us are wrestling this morning to believe that. Uh, some of us this morning are struggling to see that. And if you're ever tempted to doubt the care of God, if you're ever tempted to, to doubt God's concern for you, then let us look no farther than the cross of Christ. You see, the, God, the good news of the gospel is that even when we're not seeking God, He's seeking after us. That's the gospel. And this morning, you may not be here this morning seeking God. The good news is he's seeking you. He wants you to experience freedom. He wants you to experience joy. The Bible says, 
We love because he first loved us. You see, the thing about anxiety is this. Anxiety is directly tied to our devotion. So when we find our souls being anxious about something, it's because we've wrapped up our devotion in it. And all those things in life that may be good things, they're a terrible master. And this morning, Jesus wants to free you from those things that you're anxious with, and he wants your allegiance to transfer from whatever that thing is ultimately to himself. And he wants you to first seek the kingdom of God in his righteousness, and then this is his promise to you. This is his promise to his children. And all these things will be added to you. This isn't a prosperity gospel message, okay? This is a message of God's provision. This is a message of God's provision. It's the song that Morgan sang for us this morning, that his sheep will not lack. They're, 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 ne they're never going to go through a moment in life where God's children are lacking something. You remember what David said? He said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. In the Old Testament, man, he, he said, I've never seen God's children go without. Do you know why? Because he's a good, faithful father. And he is the one we have a pleasure and the joy to serve in this new year. And so this morning, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you've dealt with this week. I don't know how torn up your soul has been. But would we all together bow down, humble ourselves before the Almighty and, and together cast those things at his feet. And here's the promise. He's going to care for you. He will care for you. Take it to the bank. Trust the Lord. You know, I, what I, I think today, in, in our day, it, it is so needed for, for, for the church of Jesus Christ to stand up and to rise up out of the mediocrity of what we are content with. And, and to experience something deep to experience something profound and real that only God himself can provide. And that we might find ourselves freed from these burdens, these, these things that would weigh us down because why? We would come to a father who knows. Verse 32, Jesus says, hey, all those other things that you're really concerned about right now, he says, that's what the pagans seek after. That's what the pagans value. He says, the Gentiles seek after all those things, but here's the point, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. This morning, God wants to remind you that he knows. Whatever that is that you're all spun up about, whatever that is that you're all burdened with and anxious with this morning, can you just rest in the fact of knowing that God knows? He knows. And, and, and he wants to provide for you. He, he will provide for you and he will take care of you. But he wants you to first seek something and that is to seek him. To seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added. I'm gonna invite you right there to bow in your seat. And let's pray together. Father, Lord, during this time this morning, we come with anxious hearts. Lord, we come with hearts that are weighed down by 
anxieties and fears and worries. God, things that are real things. Things that are facing us this week and we're struggling to ask the question, how are we going to do that? How are we going to make that work? What, how are we going to get through this? And Lord, before we just jump ahead of you, will you, Lord, this morning, would you just remind us that you know what we need? And God, I pray this morning for that person that's here, and God, they're wrestling with this. Lord, would you surround them today with your presence? Lord, would you surround them today with, 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 with the comfort of the Spirit of God that, 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 Lord, in just a loving way, the way that only you can, Lord, to remind them of how much you care for them and to remind them, Lord, that, that you have a plan for their life in your mission and in your purposes. And God, when we give up our life and the things, Lord, to pursue you, that, Lord, you have a way of, of making up the difference. God, you have a way of, of, of opening doors that we would never open. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that as folks in this room are humbling themselves before you and casting, Lord, these anxieties to you, and as they draw near to you, Lord, your promise in your word is that you're drawing near to us. So we thank you for it. Just heads bowed, eyes closed. Jessica's going to play. I give you just an opportunity this morning to, to just to respond in whatever way God's led. There's some people up here that have put in a prayer card that would ask that we would pray for them. I invite you right now just to come and to kneel up here at the steps, pray for one that's requested prayer this morning. But I invite you right now, right there in your seat to, to meet with God.